Good morning, good morning. You are listening to The Mixtape, your essential addition to the never-ending road trip that is parenthood. Presented by The Parent Trip, produced and created by us, your hosts. I'm Sarah Fuller, your mermaid-haired lactation friend. And I'm Olivia Spitzer, the loudest labor doula you've ever met. And together, we're here to talk all things growing and maintaining small humans. Because parenting is a trip. So buckle up. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Olivia. Hi. Um, Welcome to November. We're recording this in October, so we have no idea what the reality is on the day that this gets posted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, welcome to November. And um, Sarah and I are really excited because today's topic was one of the first things we identified we wanted to talk about um, when we started planning for the mixtape. And that's because here in Oregon, uh, the decision was made over the summer that the public schools would be virtual until a decision made in November. Um, I know that Purge School District has been making further choices as we go along, but we just knew even this summer that we were like, come November, we're going to be talking about distance learning because this is a piece of our reality. Yeah. Well, and especially at this point, it's no longer this, I wonder how this is going to go. We've, we've been in it for a little bit. We have an idea of what it's like for our individual families um, and for the districts as a whole. And so we have kind of a better idea of what this actually looks like. So Sarah and I started talking about like, how are we going to talk about distance learning? Sarah has kids who are doing distance learning. I don't. And we just felt like we wanted another voice in the conversation, um, somebody to really talk to us about the pieces that are hard about this process. Um, So our very obvious solution was to ask Margot from Root and Bloom Counseling if she would come and join us. Um, Margo is what we call our ride or dies around here at the parent trip. She's been a part of every single parent trip event we've ever done. And we just love her and everyone who talks to her loves her. And she's a mental health therapist. So we just felt like who better to talk to us about the state of the world than someone who has some skill. (laughs) Um, so let's bring her on to join us. Yeah, let's do it. Hello, Margo. Hello. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Um, We just want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself and your practice before we jump in and ask you a whole bunch of hard questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for that really sweet introduction. And I feel so fortunate to have been part of the parent trip since its inception. Um, And As you mentioned, I am a mental health therapist here in Portland, Oregon. My practice is called Root and Bloom Counseling, and I specialize in perinatal mental health, so mental health and well-being around uh, preconception, fertility, uh, pregnancy, and then postpartum and beyond that. Um, A few other hats that I wear in my life, I also am a prenatal yoga instructor, I've taught childbirth education for many years, and I um, am a mother, too, of three boys that are now ages eight, six, and three. So I have a third grader and a kindergartner this year that are doing virtual school. So when you all invited me to come and talk about this, um, I felt honored and also like, I don't know what we're going to say about this, (laughs) because... 
it's been really hard, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. maybe our first question is to start right there with the, it's been really hard, which is that like, how common is that in your practice to be talking to families and hear them say that they're struggling with distance learning? Yeah. I would say anecdotally, it, it feels like everyone is struggling with this in some way. Um, whether it is, um, you know, childcare has remained open, but a lot of people have really struggled about whether that feels like a safe option for them. And so people who have younger kids are struggling with, do I send my kids to childcare? Am I hiring a nanny? Am I doing a nanny share? And then folks who have older kids are struggling with the like, how am I managing uh, all the demands of getting my kids through virtual school and potentially continuing to work or having a partner that's working out of the house or maybe they are working out of the house and yeah so it's it feels really like an impossible situation um i like numbers and so i did a little bit of like diving in to see if there was any sort of stats or numbers i could pull um that would be relevant and there was a, a study a group of researchers that were looking specifically at caregiver distress around the virtual school. Um, they said 68% of caregivers of young children report significant increase in stress um, from since the start of the pandemic. And honestly, that number seems low. I don't know, how. <laughs> what do you all think? <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, I know that like everywhere I look on social media, everyone's just like, this is really hard. I mean, I feel like I'm on, a low end of stress school-wise on the spectrum. But at the same time, that doesn't mean it's not stressful. Like I'm, I feel lucky because one of my two kids is super self-sufficient um, and just like does all, like follows the schedule, does their work, like just needs me to really like check in at the end of the day. Whereas the other one needs me hands-on literally all day, <clears throat> which is not easy, but I'm also not working from home full-time. Um, like, I feel like I'm in a really privileged position to be able to help her with that. So compare it to other people who had to quit their job or um, who are trying to juggle multiple kids who have a hard time or all these different things. I like I feel really lucky, <laughs> even though it's still hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't I love that you got numbers, Margot. I'm a fan of numbers, too. I should have pulled up this study, but I feel like something that's been in the current news cycle is talking about just the number, how disproportionately more women have been leaving the workforce due to distance learning than men have, which is just a whole other piece of this conversation. Yes, 100%. And um, yeah, there's been lots of recent articles about that, and it just is um, stunning. And I am sort of holding my breath to see what the long-term impacts of something like this is gonna be for our world. Like, what does that look like to know that so many people have had to exit the workforce because of the demands of, of childcare right now and distance learning. Um, a few of the other stats that came from that same study said that 63% um, of caregivers say they have lost emotional support. Not surprising at all. Um, our village um, has has decreased as we've lived in this pandemic time. And so we people are not feeling the same level of support that they had before. 20% um, of households experiencing some sort of material hardship. And then this was, uh, they said, 
as of July, 78% of caregivers reported that their child was exhibiting some sort of behavior problem or challenge currently. So it's not just that we are at home trying to manage these demanding schedules and to also balance the needs of our own personal life. It's that our kids are struggling too um, with this new reality and it's, it's been yeah. super challenging for them. Definitely. I mean, that gets kind of to the, what was going to be our next question, which is we were going to ask you to help us identify some of the reasons why this is so hard. Like we just talked about how everyone is feeling it, but like, what are some of the pieces? So one you just named, which is that kids are struggling as well. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the other one that you also named is the, the lack of the village, the shrinking of the village, right? In going from your entire community into your pod. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I just, I can't, um, I can't move away from how profound that is for people to feel that um, I would say, in my private practice, that is something that comes up nearly every session with almost every single client is that they are feeling alone and isolated in some sort of way and how intense that then feels for us as, as a parent and a caregiver to be holding all this responsibility um, on our own. It's just, it really is overwhelming. Not to mention, I'm like, thinking about the teachers and the intensity of what they're experiencing and what they're seeing in the classrooms. Like, it just really feels um, like it's, we're, we're limping along in some ways and that there's, there's no, um, it's just gonna be hard no matter how we're doing it. So yes, so the lack of emotional support, the potential behavior issues that we're seeing as kids are coping with these big changes um, behavior is communication when it comes to kids, especially at younger ages when they're not able to verbalize exactly what they're feeling. So the way they're acting is how they're telling us what they need. Um, and then of course the, the real catch 22 for a lot of parents is just feeling like they're not doing either role very well. Like they're not feeling like they're able to do their work super well. And they're not feeling like they're able to parent very well because they're being stretched super thin. I mean, I'll tell you, my kitchen is a disaster. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so we, we, we feel like there are ways that we're falling short all the time. And um, but we really have to, as parents, we're put in this position where we have to pick and choose a little bit what feels important. And maybe it's more important that you get outside with your kids or that you respond to those 20 emails that you have in your inbox that you need to take care of and the dishes can wait and you'll figure it out another time. Yeah. So I just painted a pretty grim picture, I feel like. <laughs> well, I actually, so you made me think of one of my silver linings with all of this. So maybe, maybe it'd be nice to add a little of that in right now. Um, yeah. My third grader is the one that I'm having to sit with all day and make sure everything gets done. And we're, you know, we're tweaking things and trying to find different ways to make it work. Um, but there, we had this kind of breakthrough moment where, um, we were sitting and we were really struggling. And I said, what would you do at school? Like you've been doing this at school. Like, what can we do at home? Like in my head, it was working at school and not working here. And I said, what can we do? Like you do this at school. And she basically said, like, actually I have all these feelings at school. I'm just too embarrassed to show them. And so all of a sudden it was just this like, oh, my kid has been suffering and nobody has known about it. 
And it took this pandemic and me helping her at home to do this, to find that out. And now we can actually like address it and try to find ways to make her life better. So small silver lining. <laughs> right, right, right. Finding a solution instead of just stuffing it down or covering it with a Band-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that breaks my heart. Oh my goodness. It's, it's been really crazy. Um, you know, we've got super supportive teachers. I mean, I don't know about you, Margot, but I've just been so impressed with our teachers at our school. Like they are doing everything they possibly can. They're tweaking things every week to try to make them easier on the kids while still teaching. Like, it's just, they're amazing. They're absolutely heroes. A hundred percent. They are, are like uh, such a beautiful example of adaptability <laughs> and trying to, to make it work with what we have in front of us. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I guess our next question for you, Margo, is like, do you have any suggestions for people at home who are feeling that like, I am overwhelmed. I don't feel like I can make a choice between the dishes and the emails. Like what, what do, what do you, what would you say? Um, I've been thinking about this question and, and, um, the last thing I want to do is add more to people's plates at this time. But I feel like just being really honest about how hard it has been is is important. And so even if it might feel like um, a dark storm cloud picture that I painted, I hope in some ways maybe it feels like a relief for people that it's it doesn't have to be perfect and you don't have to make it look nice in any sort of way. It's real messy right now and that is okay. I also think just really acknowledging the toll of chronic stress. Um, I heard someone, I forget where I heard it recently, but the description of stress of like, if you had to hold a textbook for five minutes, that would be okay, right? Like you could probably do that. Mm -hmm. Now, how would you feel if you had to hold it for three hours, 24 hours, a month? <laughs> and just sort of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And th this is the condition that we are sort of living in right now is this state of chronic stress. Um, and I was recently um, inspired by a podcast I was listening to with Brene Brown. I don't know if you've listened to any of her podcasts lately, um, but she was talking to uh, the Nagowski sisters who wrote the book Burnout about completing the stress cycle. And they had some really great tips and ideas for dealing with stress. Um, and I thought it would be a great to just sort of revisit them and remind ourselves um, that it's important to feel and differentiating too between our stress response and the stressors that we have in our life. And that we don't necessarily have control of the stressors that show up However, we do have control over how we respond to the stress that we feel manifested in our bodies and how we work with that. So, yeah. Does that sound interesting? Would you, would you like to hear more about that? Yes, definitely. Anything that involves control at this time, I'm, I'm all in on, right? Um, so they had a couple different things that you could sort of consider. Um, Again, one thing that I also thought was very useful was just acknowledging the physical man manifestation of our feelings um, and that all of our feelings have a beginning, 
a middle and an end. And that if we can allow ourselves to roll through that whole cycle, we'll be, it's like a way of sort of building up our, our Teflon or helping us have a way to let things roll off of us as opposed to feeling like everything's sticking to us so much. So allowing ourselves to complete the stress cycle instead of just chronically holding it for ourselves. And I think we probably can all identify a time where we felt like we've held chronic stress. And then you've reached the end of that. Like when I was in college, every time I finished finals, I got desperately ill. Oh yeah, yeah. every time, every time. Yeah, yeah. and it, that is the completion of the stress cycle. Like it, the stress was just, <laughs> I was holding it for a long time and then it would all sort of come out in a very embodied way. And so we want to um, allow ourselves to maybe have ways to move through that stress cycle that isn't always just leading to illness at the end. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. That's interesting. Cause it's just making me personally, it's making me reflect on like, what are micro ways I can essentially like vent the stress in my daily life? Like, is yeah. that, you know, having intention around my tradition of making tea in the morning where like, I don't listen to the news and stress myself out while I'm doing it or I, whatever it is, right? Like, how do I just vent a little bit at a time? Yes, a hundred percent, you know, as opposed to the like sort of volcano analogy of like building pressure until it's like. <laughs> until you get trapped and you're down for two weeks at Christmas. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you want to say something there? Oh, I'm just totally resonating. I remember, uh, so for a very brief period of time, I was a vocal performance major. And I just remember the immense pressure to not get sick before finals because my final was singing. <laughs> but literally, like the moment it was done, I was down for the count, like every time. Like it just, and just thinking about like, even in my body right this moment, I'm like realizing how much is is there, how much anxiety I've been holding on to and Ooh, okay. <laughs> like it was just hitting home pretty hard. <laughs> yeah. I think it's actually, it's interesting that we're talking about this phenomenon of like holding on until you get sick, because I don't know if either of you have ever done this, but in my pre-pandemic life, there would be times where I would recognize that I was stressed because I would think to myself, well, if I just got sick, then I could just be in bed. Right. That like escape of being like, oh, sorry, I'm sick. I can't come. I have to cancel everything today. So I would think about that. And then that's when I'd catch myself and be like, whoa, you don't actually want that. But what's fascinating is that right now we can't have that because if you get sick, it's so much more stressful. Right. Like, it's not even like, okay, I guess I'll, you know, cuddle up with some blankets and dirty dancing. It's like, nope. Nope, you're getting quarantined. You have to text everyone you've talked to in the last two weeks. Like, yeah. Yeah, every sneeze is anxiety producing, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So I think just maybe even acknowledging like that you feel like you're holding stress is a useful thing to be like, ah, uh, I'm feeling this tension in my body. Like I feel it in my shoulders or like I have kind of a pit in my stomach all the time or there's tension in my throat or my jaw, like where are you feeling it in your body? So one of the first ways that they recommend in that book, Burnout, is just is movement. And it could be any type of movement. Um, and movement is so powerful. And, you know, I really believe in that mind-body connection. And as a yoga instructor, I've seen sort of firsthand the power of that. 
It doesn't have to be yoga though. It can be walking outside. It can be having a dance party in your living room. It can be um, some of the more like somatic embodied practices of like shaking or bouncing or jiggling, any of those sort of things to just kind of get things moving through your body a little bit um, can be so helpful. Not to mention it really shifts sort of the energetics of your body and the hormones of your body. It can help you sleep better at night. Um, yeah, it's just, it's so useful. The second thing they recommend is breathing. Um, and even just, it doesn't have to be a specific breath pattern, but just noticing your breath. And um, as one of my yoga teachers, Britt Steele has always said, when all else fails, just exhale. <laughs> like if you can't do anything, just exhale. And that exhale is very deeply linked to uh, your parasympathetic nervous system, which is that rest and digest side of your body that is gonna help you feel more calm and more at ease. Um, the next thing they recommend is positive social interaction. And I know this looks real different for folks in lots of different ways, but any way you can just be in community with people. And I know that people are maybe burnt out on the Zoom get togethers, but I do think it's helpful. You know, <laughs> there's something about seeing someone's face, seeing their sort of micro gestures and facial expressions that allows us to be in community. And when we look at the stress response and when people are in sort of a fight or flight set state, what happens before people move into a fight or flight state is that they actually are looking for social connection. Um, and this makes a lot of sense because when you think about our evolution, if you are out in the wilderness and you see a cougar and you look to your friends, potentially the two of you, that person is going to help you survive this event much better than if you were alone by yourself. Our social connection, we are just wired to be connected. Um, and that that is also really important in the recovery phase after a stressful event too. That that is, it is not that you survive the stressor <laughs> necessarily, but that you have a person there that is reflecting with you and um, reminding you of a felt sense of safety. And that that is really, really important um, to our well-being and sort of finishing a stress cycle. Yeah. Um, That's I would love to hear any thoughts. Feel free to like jump in at any point if you have questions or want to share anything. I had one with the breathing. Um, yeah. At sitting at the table doing schoolwork, I have often my kid will often be like, <laughs> like I can't do this. This is too hard. And I and I often like, dude, breathe. And she always says, I am breathing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sorry. Take a deep breath. <laughs> like specifically, <laughs> this reminds yeah. me of like like no you have to actually like and i remind her to put her tongue on the top of her mouth too mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of memes that people like to share that's like supposed to be this really well-meaning like drop your shoulders yeah um loosen your i don't even remember all the things but one of them is drop your tongue and every time <laughs> i have to comment like your tongue is supposed to be at rest on the top of your mouth <laughs> <laughs> putting on your little lactation glasses being like well actually <laughs> <laughs> so yes your tongue is supposed to rest at the top of your mouth and that helps activate the parasympathetic as well mm -hmm. yeah um, and you all might appreciate this in the the birth world too that like 
making little um sounds can be is a nice way to help the mm -hmm. tongue kind of move into that position and it softens the jaw so just like that mm. <laughs> that sound alone can be useful if you just take a big sigh within sort of m sound it can be helpful yeah, yeah. the thing that i was thinking when you were talking was about we talked about this a little bit last our last episode when we talked about halloween but the way that people are getting creative around social interaction when they are getting burnt out on video meetings um is you know like some people i got invited to a backyard like fire pit get together tonight that was like we're gonna sit on this side you're gonna sit on that side we're gonna be six feet apart there's gonna be a ton of smoke um come sit with us you know and uh even just i talked a little bit last time about how a group of friends and i have been doing movie nights using some like stream software and it doesn't feel like we're sitting there on a Zoom call staring at ourselves. You know, we're just like all watching a movie together and talking, totally. being annoying about it. So, um, yeah, I guess if you're watching this and you're, you know, taking avid notes on what Margo's saying because you feel like you need the support, um, I guess the only thing I would add is, uh, you know, use your community to figure out who's being creative and how can you jump in on that, right? So if somebody has, you know, a huge play structure by their house and their kids are playing on one side and they want to invite your kids to play on the other. Like that still fills that need, even if, even while trying to be safe. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I think, I think it's really good to remember too, that like we can use, like you're talking about with the streaming, right. And not just feeling like you're talking at each other, um, using all this amazing technology that we have to do game nights um, where you don't necessarily have to look at each other. You're playing, like I had a, a really fun evening with some friends playing Cards Against Humanity all over the internet. Um, I've heard of people doing like with their kids, like um, parallel play with Legos over video. Mm. Um, and like today we actually were video chatting with my brother um, while we were all hanging around in the dining room table. and because of the loveliness of our, our comfortable relationship, he was like, yeah, if you need to go like do whatever, you know, feel free. So it was almost like he, we were just hanging out as if he was at my dining room table and I was going to do dishes, a couple dishes, or I'd get a snack or whatever. It wasn't like I had to be right on his right. Eye, eye level the whole time. It was this comfortable move around, do what you got to do. And so just getting a little bit more open with how we use this technology. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it really is a testament to our adaptability as humans. I feel like um, that we really are so able to shift and make adjustments and um, find ways um, to, to make workarounds. It's really awesome. Yeah. Um, the next couple ones I wanted to mention are um, laughter uh, is a really useful thing. So anything that's going to help you laugh and it can't just be that like awkward social like niceties <laughs> laughter. Okay. Yep. Sorry. That's just... <laughs> it has to be like that real authentic belly laughing, joyful think about the baby when, I don't know, the thing that always made my little kids laugh the most was like to sniff their toes and go, oh, stinky toes. And they would just like <laughs> burst into laughter. Yeah. Has to be that like authentic, big belly laugh um, that that is good. And 
so useful for just like a release again. Um, and similarly connected, crying. Um, letting yourself cry is okay. <laughs> um, we, we live in this culture that just really reinforces the bootstrapping kind of mentality of you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and don't cry. And it's not true, we need to cry. However, and, and we, again, we're differentiating here between dealing with a stressor and dealing with the stress inside of ourselves. Crying is a way to deal with the stressor inside of ourselves and to release it and let it go. Um, and if you, they had some great tips in this podcast and I recommend listening to Brene Brown's podcast. She has so many great, relevant, useful things, but I loved what they said about crying was, if you're not used to letting yourself cry, see if you can do it in a way where you just notice the experience of crying, the warm tears coming down your cheeks, the snot, the heaving of your chest, whatever that experience is, just noticing it and trying not to let the thoughts of the stress continue to feed it. So just being with that experience. And for most people, if you just let yourself cry, it's maybe two, five minutes. It's not a huge amount of time that you need to just let that all out completely. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of, there was a, there was a piece of my adolescence where I lived um, in a very tiny apartment in New York that was meant for three people and there were four people living there. Um, so it was very, very cramped and I was having a really hard time. And I remember my dad, who's not super emotionally like He's, I mean, he's a dad. There we go. Um, he, I remember talking on the phone with him and him being like, well, you know, if you need to cry, you could just do it in the shower. And I was like, what? And he was like, if you're, if you don't have your own room to go to, to cry and you don't want to cry in front of your roommates, just cry in the shower. That's where I cry. And I was like, oh my God. And I think about that all the time. Like when I do feel that backed up feeling, I'm like, maybe I just need to take a shower, like turn off the lights and just cry in the shower. Like nobody's going to hear you over the shower. Nobody's going to just like you're by yourself. So mm -hmm. there, there's a Dan Murphy emotional tip to <laughs> cry in the shower. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And we know how precious those showers are as caregivers. And so <laughs> why not like multitask while you're at it? <laughs> yeah. Key. Super key. <laughs> And then the last two little tips um, are just, again, sort of related to the social interaction, but that um, affection and connection are, are really essential. Um, they talked a little bit about the 20 second hug and that that is like the optimal amount of time for your body to relax or release. Um, I am blessed with an abundance of cuddling in my life thanks to having three children and so, <laughs> I also feel like it's so good for our kids too, you know, like I see it in our reflection and we know about mirror neurons and what that does for people to be in that close relationship um, with someone else and just be held and feel like you're holding someone else and be there with each other. That that is just really essential. Like your blood pressure is gonna get lower. You're gonna get a nice little flood of oxytocin throwing, flowing through your body. Again, just so useful for like letting that stress kind of move through you. 
And then the last one is um, creative expression. And this one, I think maybe it feels loftier or harder, but um, I, I think you probably both can appreciate that we still need the arts and um, that so many people come to the world of art or expression, whether that's writing something in a journal, whether that's doing finger paints with your kids, whether that's carving a pumpkin, <laughs> whatever it is that you can find dancing around your living room, um, that that is really another wonderful way to, as they would talk about in Freudian terms, sublimate our stress. So you're taking the stress and turning it into something that is um, outside of yourself, externalizing it a little bit and um, therefore removing it from, from your body and your mind. That makes me think of like three different things, if I can remember them all. One was um, this joke that was going around about now we understand why a bunch of nursery rhymes were written during um, pandemics. The plague. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like walking here. And like the number of people that are writing like parodies all about COVID, you know, to other other songs, and and now we all get it. We just we're stuck at home trying to cope. Yeah, I mean, how many amazing TikToks have come out of this time? Let's be yeah. real. Um, also, uh, Danielle of Ready Set Grow has been doing these amazing pregnant pandemic dances, and I feel emotion release when I watch them. I can't imagine how it feels in her body. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, exactly. Like because I'm in the car less, uh, when I am in the car, I'm much more like, I personally have been going through musicals, like nobody's business. Like this week is this musical next week. I'm listening to this musical and it's definitely just an opportunity for me to sing really loud and, um, release some stress that way. Just cause I am in the car so much less than I was, you know, it used to be like, Maybe I'll listen to NPR. Maybe I'll make a phone call. Maybe I'll this or all that while I'm driving. And now it's just a lot of fan of the opera. Oh, I haven't listened to that one in a while. I've just been allowing myself to keep binging on Hamilton because it is the thing that gets me dancing in my kitchen the most. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I can get the kids in, although they're tired of it, but they'll still dance a little bit. Cool. Okay. Well, um, those are all great suggestions. Thank you for bringing them to us personally and to anyone who's watching this. Um, I guess I just want to end with like, do we have between the three of us any resources that we want to plug for people who are watching mm -hmm. people who are like, I'm trying the finger painting. I've hung out on my yard with my mom and I still need some more help. I mean, I I'm think just thinking. A great one, right? Yeah, I was like, talk to a counselor <laughs> for sure. <laughs> find a great, yeah, yeah find a great therapist. Yeah. yeah. The thing I always find. tell my friends right now is, I'm like, you don't have to even have a counselor in this state. Like, the world is your oyster right now. Everyone's meeting online. Like, if you've got a weird work schedule, pick a counselor on the East Coast and live on East Coast time if you want to. Like, everything's available to you. Yes, and there's lots of um, awesome like online remote therapy options to better help is one that I talk space. There's a few that have come up. 
um, that do find a way to like make it a little bit easier to get access to a counselor. Um, support groups, any sort of support groups. Um, I know uh, group texts with my group of mom friends has been really important. All the memes, like yeah. everything um, has yeah, been- there are parents that I wasn't really like super close with, but because we have same kids in the same class, all of a sudden we have a group text going. Yeah. I'm going to plug really quickly the app Marco Polo, which I did not mm -hmm. use prior to this pandemic. And um, my group of lady friends who used to be a text chain, we've completely transitioned to Marco Polo because you don't have to like sit down and type it out. You literally can just start a video recording and it goes to that same text thread. And, you know, we've got moms with their kids running through the videos and all the stuff. And obviously it's just real life. And it's been nice to be able to see each other's faces. You know, we've got one friend in this group who likes to sing. So she'll occasionally sing on it. And it's just really fun. So Marco Polo is the name of that app. That's true. And the thing that's really nice about it, and I didn't, I kind of resisted it at first, but the thing that's really nice is that it's, you're not trying to schedule a Zoom with somebody, right? Like you just record it when you have time and they'll watch it when they have time. Yeah. I love it for that reason too. And also, like you said, it's the it's the face-to-face -face interaction. I would say the, the last thing I would add is just, um, I think we all just deserve so much self-compassion right now. Um, and like, you can just shower that on yourself. Like it is okay. You are doing a good enough job um, and that it's messy and it's hard. And the fact that you're still showing up and getting your kids breakfast is something. <laughs> the fact that you are checking in with them in the evening and seeing if they've done some of their schoolwork is enough. Um, and that you are, yeah, you are, you are amazing. The fact that you care enough to maybe stop and watch this video and think about some of the ways that you could be kind of trying to practice some of these things and that, you know, our kids are watching us and they're watching us how, how we're coping at these times. Um, and I know that's always one of my bigger, bigger motivators for being more compassionate to myself is that I also want to raise compassionate human beings. And so to try and offer that to myself as a way to, to show that um, to my kids to like, not be so hard on ourselves. You're making me feel like I want to get off this call and like text all of my friends who are parents and tell them <laughs> you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job, Marco. You're doing a good job, Sarah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thank you. And do check in with your friends who are parents because they likely are struggling. <laughs> God, everything you said was just so amazing. Um, one of the big things that really helps me is remembering how resilient kids are. I mean, we we all are, but I feel like kids especially. Um, and just knowing that, like, as long as you know, I'm giving myself compassion, which allows me to be a better better parent. Like, they don't need a lot more than that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, the good enough parent is good yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. Should we all make post a good enough poster and just like throw it all over yeah. Portland? Yes, a hundred percent. Like that scene from 10 Things I Hate About You when they throw the party flyers down the stairwell. Yeah. That's what I want to do to all my friends. <laughs> good enough. You're good enough. You're good enough. <laughs>
Okay, well, thank you for joining us today, Margo. This was really yeah. nice to talk to you, have some face-to-face. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here. It was such a delight and a pleasure. And um, thanks for all your creating and all your hard work. You, you all are creating something super special. So thanks for letting me be a part of that. Thank you, Margo. Thanks, Margo. Yeah. Okay, y'all, keep on fighting the good fight. Keep on trucking. You're enough. I don't know who you are, but you are, and you're doing a good job. Yeah. We're all going to get through this together, even though we're apart. Thanks for watching. If you love what we're up to, we hope so, and you want to hang out with us more, we like you too, wherever you're watching or listening, you should be sure to subscribe so you'll get notified when we post something new. Be the person in the know. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Parent Trip PDF. Virtual connection is just so in these days. And if you really like us. I mean, why wouldn't you? Olivia. Okay. You can support us through our Patreon. We do resource fairs, informational panels, and our conversation series all for free, so anyone can access it. That is actually super important to us. So by joining our Patreon, you make more content possible and make our hearts very glad. Thanks. Thanks.